Hello, how are you? Hello there. Hello, Hello. welcome Welcome. to Theologically Analytical. Thank you. So where we left off last time was in our discussion. Um, I believe we were discussing apologetics. Yeah. And um, at that point, we migrated towards the distinction between apologetics and theology. And this is probably going to be one of those great places where we probably, um, in our perceptions and ideologies, part ways. Oh, it may or may not be. Okay. Well, it won't be the first time. No, definitely not. Um, So let's start out with just kind of um, going back to the concept of apologetic. Right. Um, Let's go back and and kind of shake down the, um, give us basically the nuts and bolts, if you of apologetics. Well, you know, um, apologetics, you know, from uh, my perspective, is um, it's a branch. It's a branch of theology that's um, devoted to uh, the defense of uh, the existence of God and the authority of the religion that it's trying to defend. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it as far as apologetics is concerned. Uh, theology itself is um, the study of um, the character of God and all of the, um, I guess, the tenets of a particular religion that come come from that particular belief. So if we were talking about, I guess, systematic uh, Christian theology, you would have the, you know, theology proper, which is the, um, you know, the study of the attributes and character of God. And then from there would break down into things like biblical theology, the study of the Bible, uh, Christology, um, the study of, of Jesus himself, the study of Christ, eschatology, the study of the end times, the study of the church, um, the study of uh, sin, the study of the Holy Spirit, um, the study of salvation, and um, I guess you would round that off with uh, the uh, study of the, the nature of humanity. And so um, apologetics serves as a branch of theology that would defend objections to the, the claims made in theology proper. And that's kind of how I, I, I break down those three things. So here's, here's the thing. Um, for me, and I think for most Christians, um, the context in which we understand apologetics has to do with being able to well defend the doctrine in the faith of Christianity. Yeah, First Peter three fifteen, correct. And, and when I say the doctrine, that becomes a whole different thing because you know you will have um, various uh, pieces of 
Protestant mm-hmm. that will happen. And so, you know, you'll have these conversations about the significance of water baptism, the significance of Holy Spirit baptism, right. whether you're baptized in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You'll get into a, to these different um, pieces of that that I think sometimes can overshadow the overarching um, component of the salvation and love of Jesus Christ, which is to be, if you will, the primary of apologetics. So I think a lot of times when people um, speak of apologetics, they really do confuse that with theology and they also confuse that with doctrine right. because because there's been so much um, as to how people have processed information based on the teachings they have been around and not necessarily a well-rounded research. Right. Yeah, that I think that's that's part of the problem, but I think um a large, a large, um, a larger piece of that. Um, well, let me let me back up. Is um, okay. is you know, you're right because I remember um, growing up, um, you know, hearing people coming into you know my dad's church, and um, you know saying things like they want to be baptized the right way. And I'm like, well, what's what's baptized the right way? I mean, you know, they want to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know. And they were like, well, what was wrong with the way you were baptized before? And I said, well, you know, I was baptized in the name of Jesus, but the right way is be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm like, is this some kind of like, you know, <laughs> magic spell that you know if you don't do it correctly, then it doesn't take. You know, I, I, that always confused me. But I think there's a there's a larger problem that, um, than, well, I'll put it this way. I think the problem is the problem in that area. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, you have all of these different um, theological perspectives and they are taught in a vein of mutual exclusivity. You know, one's right, one's wrong. And if you don't do it our way, then you haven't done it the right way, so get right. So you've got every little piece of the salvation piece correct, and you can be sure of your salvation. And the argument comes in, you know, over who who's you know in this um, argument over who's who's right. You know, people go back and forth over that. And uh, to be perfectly honest, you know. I have to I have I, I can't blame them. I mean, if you're talking about something that is so important that you know the salvation of your internal soul, you want to get it right. But looking at it as a, I as know a, people that have said, "Let's do it all the way." Yeah, it, you know, let's just let's cover them all. Like I literally know people that have been baptized multiple times because they nobody can give them a good defense to say why this one way of saying whatever you say when you go in the water or sprinkle or whatever mm-hmm. is the utmost absolute certain right way. And so I've known people that'll be like, you know what, let's just do it everywhere. I've had this one done, I've had that one done, and I've had that one done. I know musicians that mm-hmm. um, have been required to do it a different way because mm-hmm. say they, they go to play for 
a church that is not the the um, doctrine and denomination that they normally were raised in and the new denomination says we'll hire you but you have to be baptized the way we do it right. I mean it's it has been um and that's just one component that's just the component of baptism right, right, right. that can be um you people that that don't just you know won't justify sprinkling and they, so so people I think get all of that that are doctrinal issues mm-hmm. really confused with apologetics and it makes your apologetics much harder if you don't realize that there are all of these different doctrinal things that are happening. right right and uh, I was going to say you know as a as a person who's been on the inside now looking out uh, from the outside in, you know, the, the, the question that, um, that uh, I think people who get caught up in that fail to, to ask is, well, wait a minute, you know, I was just at a church down the road who swore up and down that, you know, if I was baptized in the name of Jesus, I'd be saved. Now you're telling me that, you know, I have to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in order to be saved. And, you know, I'm sure if, you know, I go to another church, they'll probably tell me something different. You know, which one of you is right? And, you know, uh, how can I tell? But even more importantly, is not, how can you say, how can you tell me if you're right? But, you know, how can you tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong? You know, and I think that is the failure of apologetics is, that it 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 goes too far on trying to determine what it what what is right, but does not turn critical questions in on its own defense to um, to scrutinize it enough to say you know um, you know this is how we would know if we were wrong, um, and I think that that is the that's the failure of apologetics. So I I don't. <laughs> I, I hate to use the word pa- failure and apologetics together. That's a struggle for me. Um, I do think there is some tension in um, in our effectiveness and efficiency to understand how to appropriately address po- apologetics. Mm-hmm. But what I will say um, to that is also that when we're thinking about um, defending a doctrine, um, as long as you can use your primary text, which for a Christian mm-hmm. is the Bible, right. um, to explain and defend um, and teach mm-hmm. your doctrine, that to me is ethics. Now, whether it's applicable to the individual, I will use the example of stake um, for for an analogy to say. Um, for me, I like my steak medium rare. Mm-hmm. I have certain types of feelings about people that don't eat their steak. Mm-hmm. As well as people who like their steak well done have feelings about me liking my steak medium rare. I'm not going to stop eating my steak medium rare because <laughs> that's what works for me. So I would say that for apologetics, the the what I would define as success would be to line up your ability to teach and defend the doctrine and the beliefs biblically as well as 
be able to articulate those across mm-hmm. the board. In other words, not only be able to articulate those to well-educated people, people, but also uneducated people or people that are in some, you know, far off place where they've been removed from any exposure to what we understand as being church trained or being knowledgeable of the Bible. I think if you what you believe and teach it and explain it in such a way that people can get mm-hmm. it, that to me is good is good apologetics. Right. And um I see what you're saying, but the way you explained it, um, it's it, it's you, you don't like my steak analogy. No, because no, because see the the the, the problem that I have. You, well, you you you've actually perfectly explained the problem for me. Is that oh, okay? To, to you, I gave you to a use gift. your steak analogy. Um, you know. If I like my steak medium rare, someone else likes their steak well done, someone likes theirs rare, and some likes their steak to say moo, okay? But all of us come from a tradition that says that, you know, steak is, you know, the only meat that you can eat. All right, so what's the right way to eat it if that's the only, if that's the only, the only, the only meat that we can eat? Fine. Steak is the only meat we can eat. How are we supposed to eat it? Well, if everybody just likes the way, you know, has their own personal way that they like the steak, um, then basically what we've said is that, you know, as long as you can defend the way that you like steak, you're good. And it boils down to your personal interpretation. Well, that's that's problematic because particularly with with apologetics and theology, because there is, you know, there are scriptures that say, you know, uh, for one, you know, lean not to your own understanding. Okay, that's problematic. Two, if you look in the New Testament, uh, Paul and many of the other apostles tell the Christian, uh, the first century ch- uh, church, you know, this is the way we taught you the gospel. This is what it means. This is how it's applied. This is what the church is, so forth and so on. And so for everyone just to be able to pick whatever apologetics fits them seems to go against that tradition uh, or against that, that biblical mandate that there is, a, there, is a, there is a correct way and a wrong way uh, to understand what the Christian faith means and how you apply it. So if we're mm, just... So here I have to interject mm-hmm. that um, the rise, slay, and eat. I no. just have to, I'm sorry. I, I just had to let you I just had to let you walk into that one. Oh, I love that. Um so in uh, as you all well know that that part of the reason behind that, you know, rise, slay, and eat mm-hmm. is that it's okay to make some adjustments for the spreading of the gospel. And so whether that be eating meat, mm-hmm. but um bump. As I use my snake steak analogy, Um, in that context, I think we have to always remember that there is a bigger picture and everybody is not going to see the exact same thing the exact same way, which is why we have so many churches. I don't know that I would say, um, you know, I have friends who don't eat grapes because 
touch not the fruit of the vine. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm okay with that. If you don't want grapes, I like grapes. They didn't do nothing mm-hmm. to me. But if by the same token, I can respect that in them. And that's why I say, I think we can get so bogged down in doctrinal things that we forget that that's totally different from true apologetics. Right. And so in true apologetics, the the overarching agenda mm-hmm. um, is the goal to help people understand the love of Jesus Christ. Right. So, so if we can truly do that, right. then these other things, we it, go to the church that eats what you like, don't eat what you what if it feels like it fits for you mm-hmm. and it's biblically based, I'm okay with that. Now that is if you're supposed to be a Christian church and you're doing stuff that is not biblically doctrinally sound and it Mm -hmm. just kind of is what you want to do that's Mm -hmm. when it gets a little shaky for me but if you've got bible for it and that's how you interpret that scripture i'm okay with that that's the as somebody else defining for you who you should marry who you should marry has to be a good fit for you so what you believe the church that you sit in and teach and Mm -hmm. learn from has to be a good fit for you. Right. I, I don't expect it to be a one size fits all. Right. You know, but again, the problem still remains. I mean, once we get we get past such petty things, well, such petty things such as what you should eat and drink, you know that the same kind of divisions creep up into eschatology and Christology and ecclesiology. I mean, how many I mean, different it's across the board. It, it, oh, I mean, it's, I mean, have right. a conversation so about the Eucharist. So, with people right. that have, I mean, well-read people. I'm not talking about like mm-hmm. June bug down in the backyard. I'm talking about well-read people that will take the Eucharist and make it mm-hmm. totally, you you can have a long argument for that one. Well, yeah, that's, a, that's the thing is, you know, you said as long as these people's arguments are biblically based. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, just for about every doctrine or piece of theology that's out there, you can find some biblical uh, support for it. And that's, so are you that's one of those people go- that thinks everybody should wear Adidas? Yes, I do. I think mm, everyone, no, no, I think everyone should wear Asics. They're the most comfortable shoes Asics. in the whole wide Asics world. Asics from down at the Walmart? <laughs> it, down at the Walmart, twenty nine ninety five, depending on where you go in the world. Um, you get a pair of good Asics, they're great on the feet. They're comfortable, yeah. But no, um, what I'm saying is, is that the problem with saying that as long as you know your doctrine beliefs are biblical, biblically based, well, that's you know that doesn't really solve anything because everybody believes that their their doctrines are biblically based when it comes to Christianity. Okay, so then let me ask you this: Why does it need to be solved? Let's start with that. Why does it need to be solved? Why can't I be happy with what I understand? and believe to be biblically sound as long Mm -hmm. as it is biblically sound why can't i fellowship in a congregation under a doctrine that works well here's the thing um you see what i'm saying like that's so different from apologetics like we get so stuck on the doctrine side of it because the doc the 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 doctrine has been so let's put it this way the doctrine has been so advertised as the way okay so you have this 
this religion. Like, yeah, you're not going to go to heaven unless you're over here with us. Yeah. Well, dude, not only that, I mean, well, no, that's the that's the base of it. Yeah, but you have this um, religion in Christianity that presents itself as the only you know way of salvation <clears throat> to getting into heaven. Let's just start there, right? And then you break down into all of these other different, um, you know, theological understanding that, that says, yes, that is correct. Christianity is the only religion in which you can be saved, go to heaven, whatever you want to call it. But it's our brand of Christianity that you need to be involved with. Okay. And you have, you know, literally tens of thousands of branches of Christianity and thousands of them make that claim. If I'm to take it seriously, you know, if this, if my eternal soul is, you know, at stake, I better get this right. So how do I, how do I, so, okay, so, how do I choose? So this is, right, so this is how I think where we have to bring the bridge from apologetics to theology. Mm -hmm. So to understand the character and nature of God mm -hmm. is, is, is as you as you stated earlier, apologetics is a branch or a a dissecting piece of theology, but to theology as in the study of God and and the characteristics and um, nature of God, okay, would say that we have to take theology from a standpoint of God is much bigger than our ability to limit God. Because even when you look at nature, you see so much variety mm -hmm. to know that God must not expect it all to be exactly alike because there's too many types of birds and trees and rocks and grass and animals. And there, there's so much variety in creation. So for those of us who understand the as the creator and sustainer of this planet in which we live on and we have been made stewards of which I don't think we do a good job of but that's mm. another story um but to understand God's um God's creation as one way and if you want to call it ego theology fine but to understand that the God that we understand and we try to use all of these philosophical ideologies to understand clearly likes variety. So from the standpoint of all of these doctrines and denominations and things like that, that to me is so not as significant. Find the one that fits for you and be in that community of faith. It just to me doesn't seem to be that difficult. The reason why I go to worship where I do mm -hmm. is because there's a common thread between myself and the other individuals in that community of faith. And so that works for me. And I, you know, if you want to go over there with whatever and do however, whatever, if that's your place, I respect that. I don't think that that depletes the identity of God, I think it actually proves the identity of God to be welcoming to the variety of creation. Then why have doctrine at all if you can just pick one and be happy? The same reason you cook steak different ways. 
I like them barbecue. I like them on a skewer. I like well, to get a, hot sauce. I mean, it's still let's steak. Be, let's, let's, be, let's, let's be serious here. No, there I'm being not, serious. I just don't no, think no. that. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, what I mean is this: is let's, I mean, what I mean, let's, 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 um, and this is the problem with with analogy is that when you use analogies, you're all well. Most of the time, you're 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 comparing things that that have no comparison. Um, we're not talking about the differences between you know what I like to eat and what you like to eat. What we're talking about here is a a a. Um, a, a religion that at its at its foundation makes a claim of mutual exclusivity yet within it there is no agreement on fundamental issues even on how to be saved there is no fundamental agreement the only agreement is is that jesus is the way to be saved how that happens there is no agreement and you and i both know you get a Baptist, a Pentecostal, and a Catholic, or anybody else in a room and ask them how a person is supposed to be saved, you'd have a knife fight in 10 minutes. You and I, I both know that would happen. Well, I'm going to say this. I, yes and no. I'm, I'm going to say that all of them will stay the course as far as the Romans road. Now, yeah. once we get off the Romans road, that's when I'm going to say that what I would define as doctrinal issues well, than the, the actual truth of salvation because every Christian church mm -hmm. that I know of mm -hmm. is pretty solid on the Romans road. Now, some of them don't know to call it that, right. but they are going to use those key texts mm -hmm. to define what the process is to being saved. That is the right. core so, beginning. But, right. And if I'm... If, if I, Correct in you're talking about the Romans road, you're talking about the Apostles Paul's um the Apostle Paul's saying that um um I just lost my train of thought. The the key eight scriptures. I think it's eight <laughs> scriptures. And I don't have my thing. That's the kind of stuff that I have to write down now that I used to remember, you know, confess, yeah. believe. Um those those are the um those are the things that are essential. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Breaking up. I'm breaking up or you're breaking, you're breaking up? up. I, I didn't hear what you said. <laughs> okay. So the 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 Romans wrote and the, the I think what always throws me is the scriptures are not in order. Right. I don't know. I don't know who put them out of order. <laughs> It's, this, this okay. is, it's just that because of the way okay. they're listening. Okay. You're talking, you're, but confessing, confess you're with talking your about, uh, mm -hmm. You're talking about. Uh, confess with your mouth, believe right, in your right, heart. Right, 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 right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So even in the first century, there was a problem with that. And we see it in scripture. Okay. Who had a okay. problem with that? So you had Paul um, write about the Romans' road to salvation, which basically says. That all you have to do is confess with your heart. I mean, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is uh, is Lord and, and um, is Lord and God has raised him from the dead. Okay, um, but there's more to it than just that. It confirms that every there is more than that. There's like eight right, scriptures. It, right. I think there's eight scriptures. Uh, I keep saying that off the top of my right. head, so I feel like that's so, right. But there are eight different scriptures, and I need to get on that right. thing. So 
part of it is that you know Paul Paul says that every human being is sinful. That's Romans three ten. Okay, and and Romans three twenty three that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he sets up the need Mm -hmm. that you know there's a need for salvation because everyone is sinful, Um, and if you're not saved, you're you're pretty much dead in your sin. And he offers up that you know in Romans six twenty three that um, God's gift for eternal life is Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, and the sinner's response to that is what we've said: that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, you'll be saved. Now, Paul had to fight with the church at Jerusalem. Okay, because basically what Paul, his entire message of salvation was one of faith in Christ through the grace of God. And the church of Jerusalem was saying, no, it's more than that. You've got to become, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to follow the laws of Moses, blah, blah, blah. But Paul's like, no, you don't have to do any of that. Okay, so even from the first century, there was no agreement on how people were to be saved. Now, the part of what, what, what you're discussing is also the early evangelism. Yes, you're absolutely right. But it's the, the... So, so are you saying that, that you are allowing the weight of early churches' experience in evangelism I'm sorry, to define... Bro- you broke up. Are, okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, so are you saying that you are using the early church's experience in evangelism to how we understand the effectiveness and efficiency of apologetics? Or are you saying that you disagree with how they interpret the understanding of what it means to be saved? No, what I'm saying is, is that the failure of apologetics is to solve the question of anything that is questionable within the scriptures themselves. So for example, if I sat down with someone who followed Paul's, you know, Roman road and you said, you know, the only way that you can be saved is, oh, back back up, back up, back up. Okay. Let's say somebody um, even larger than that, uh, broader, broader perspective here. Someone was trying to convince me of the infallibility of uh, and the uh, inerrancy of the Bible, and that there's no contradictions or errors. It's like, okay, explain to me. I would ask them, okay, explain to me how you how a person is to be saved. And they took me to Romans and said, this is how a person is saved, and we're saved by faith through grace. Paul sets us up here in Romans and other places. You know, he talks about how, you know, there's nothing that you can be saved except for to believe in Jesus Christ, trust in Him for your salvation, so forth and so on. And I said, well. What about the contradictory scriptures that say that, that say this, you know, um, in direct, in direct contradiction to Paul, it seems, James, the brother of Jesus, says that you're saved by works, or that you can be saved by works, where Paul says that, you know, no one's going to be saved through works of the law, so forth and so on. And I said, what about Jesus, even, even Jesus's own words? When he was asked what one must be uh, must uh, must be done to have eternal life, he didn't say have faith in him. He said 
follow the law. So if there are no errors or contradictions in the Bible, how do you explain these? And what I'm saying is, is that for the, for, since the inception of the church, there have been fundamental, I mean, disagreements on the fundamental tenets of the faith that have not been resolved. Now, you said earlier that most Christians would follow the Roman road. I would add an adjective to that. I would say that most Protestants would follow the Roman road, but you get the Catholics, it's a different story. They're trying to tell you that the only way that you can be saved is if you're a Catholic. <laughs> okay. They wouldn't. I think everybody is, everybody, well, in, up until very recently, mm -hmm. it, up until very recently, everybody stuck pretty hardcore to the fact that their doctrine was the only way. Um, you don't see that as much now, but I also think that that has been because of the depletion of the value of the biblical text overall, which is problematic. No, I don't think, I don't think um, there's been a devaluation of the biblical text. I think what people have done is studied it for themselves instead of listening to people. Well, I think there is some devaluation because, and the reason why I say that is if the Bible is the core piece of, of literature mm -hmm. to understand your belief system, but then you say you don't need to understand the literature, that's, that's problematic. That's, that's what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, that is, that is true. You know, I have people to tell me that they're Christians, but they don't read the Bible. Okay, well, then, then how, <laughs> where, where do you get, where do you become a Christian from? But one day, and say, yeah, that Jesus is a cool dude, mm -hmm. and I'll be that but you know nothing about the history that led to his presentation into the world, nor the reason why he came into the world. And, and <clears throat> you know, it's just interesting to me because I see so much of that now. People going, no, I don't go to my church because they're a good Bible teacher. I go to my church because, um, you know, it's really cool. You know, he's a really cool pastor. Yeah. Um, okay, um, the, you know, the, the, we have gotten to the place where yeah, I, I, I would much rather, I mean, this is just me mm -hmm. personally, I would much rather people have the conversation and a debate and maybe even argument over the actual biblical text than to throw the piece of literature away that is foundational to what we say we believe and then try to have the conversation. What are we talking about? Right. Or if we're not talking about this piece of literature that is the key essential piece of written word historically given to us to understand what, what it is we say that we are a part of. It, so I, when you start talking about what James said versus what Paul said, you and I both know there are going to be parts of that that are going to be specific to a historical situation, culture, and audience that are not going to be, we read the Bible so much like it is Galilean well, flat. Well, no, I think, I think, I think that, you know, reading the Bible is a, and I, I'm, you know, I'm going to sound very arrogant here. If you read the Bible the way I do, then you, but no, I think if you, if you, if you, if you read the Bible, you know, actively and notice things like these, those are the types. But of are you that, noticing these things based on audience and culture but here's and all of the things? Because our letter that I would write to you is mm -hmm. going to be totally different from a letter that I would write to one of my other cousins, because the conversation would be based on the rapport I have with you and the type of thing. 
Yeah, but I think, I think I think the, the things I would talk about to another. Cousin. I think the difference is is this, is that there, there's a difference between you and I talking about, you know, what we what we believe about salvation. But you have two um, patriarchs of the church arguing with each other over how to be saved. Now both of them are leading people. Okay. Okay, but I see. I still, well, I, I still well, can't on. take that as as a watering well, down. I'm not, I can't. I'm not saying it's being watered down. What I'm saying is that the issue has okay. never been resolved. Okay, you have two. I don't know that it ever will. Yeah, be. and that's and that's my and, that, and I, that's and that's the, the this is this is problematic for me because if 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 I have let's just say you know um, you know I have someone who comes knocks on my door. And, you know, leads me down the Roman road of, of salvation and I accept it. And then a month later, somebody knocks on my door and says, you know, what? that is completely wrong. Here it says in the Bible right here, blah, 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 blah. And Jesus even said, you know, X, Y, and Z. Now I've got a choice to make. And with an unresolved uh, conflict or contradiction over a fundamental uh, a fundamental tenet of a faith that claims to be the only way to salvation i've got to make a decision and like i said before i better make the right one because my my See, eternal hear, my eternal soul is at stake here i'm still going to tell you why and this is i'm going to bring it like down to to real reality mm -hmm. we were raised our parents were siblings and i guarantee you if you set the siblings that were raised in the same house together mm -hmm. and asked each one of them to talk about it there is going to be a difference in perspective that all of them were there and all of them are going to say well no this happened and no that happened and well yeah but this happened yeah we agree on this part of what happened but then this happened. but don't you remember that and and that's just part of human. That's humans do. Humans bring perspective that they have to what they're doing. So right. when so and that's why I say to to take the the audience to which each of one of them was speaking to and the context mm -hmm. and the situations that they were speaking to. I don't think it's a flat, solid thing. Well, it's too many sides to it. Well, it, that's the way it's been presented. Well, let's put it this way. You go to any particular church in America or anywhere around the world, and it's going to be presented that way. But once you start reading, you're absolutely right. You're going to see that what you're getting is not one flat piece, but something that's multidimensional. But you still have to deal with the claim. Or the question, out of all of these sides that have that have been presented to me, that have been presented as in a way that's mutually exclusive, which one of them is right? They all can't be right. And just let so me then, go on. And just to say, well, pick one okay. that works for you. That 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 leaves me wanting because I don't want to pick one that works for me. I want to pick the one that's right. Because, like I said, there's too much estate for me to just roll the dice and say. Well, hopefully after I'm dead, I pick the right one. Because. See, I think the right one is the overarching acceptance of Jesus Christ. It, whether you eat grapes or don't eat grapes. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that. I don't know that that weighs so heavy on your soul salvation. There's nothing that says it does. 
the 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 thing that to me is bigger than that mm -hmm. is to understand the character and identity and the reason that Jesus Christ is the central person to Christianity and salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, if you if you struggle with that, then that's the place that I well, think <clears throat> Yeah, well, yeah, we have to come back right, to yeah. because because what I'm what and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this is what I'm wondering just based on our previous conversations that your um your purview into some issues of humanity make it a little bit more difficult for mm -hmm. you to really explore the existence of the deity. Well, what makes it difficult? Well, here, let me let me just go back to let me take a step back before we get into that because that's one of the things I wanted to talk about okay. actually. Um, um, you know, I don't know if you lost my train of thought. Hold on a second. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's just go to the existence of the deity. Um, back to me is you know, okay, um, I, I, the. I think the the what what's difficult for me as far as the existence of the deity is is not anything that that's happening here because well um you know that's happening around me it's a it's a it's more of a question um that uh, you know when I started having all of these questions and and doubts which was quite early in my life it just took 40 years for me to finally just sort of put on the brake and say, okay, hold on, wait a second. The, the very first question that I had was, you know, how do I know that there is any such being as God? What is it about anything that, that um, suggests that there is? Um, and I had a very difficult time accepting the, the the traditional answers i mean you've you've said a couple of times uh, a couple of times in our conversations already <clears throat> excuse me you know you just look at nature you can see that god is diverse why does nature point to the god that you believe in why does it point to a god at all how do we know that other than just to accept the fact that it does I mean, we have we we have no bright line, bright red line, that points from nature to God, other than a book that tells us that it does, and that we should believe it on faith. But so, but and you know, I could, and this is where apology apologetics breaks down for me, is that you know, when you're talking about um, an apologetical argument for the existence of God being nature. Okay, let's say let's say I see the point that it does point to a God. Which God? Which one? There's thousands to choose from, and so from my point of view, apologetics is removed from out of the grasp of Christianity, and I could use the same apologetic if I'm a Muslim or if I'm a Hindu or if I'm a Jew, and defend the existence of my, my, my particular deity. And so I'm still left not knowing anything. It doesn't help to look at nature to see if there's a God, because it doesn't tell us which God or any God at all. It could be, there could be another answer. 
to that question. You know, why this one? Um, so it, it wasn't, you know, the nature of humanity or anything like that. Uh, that was part of it, but it's not all of it. It was just, you know, that very first question, how do we know with any certainty or can we know with any certainty if there's, and I, I just could not answer that question. And re, going to seminary and it, it sort of gave me some pointers, but at the end of the day, I still couldn't answer the question. You know, um, the, the biggest problem for me was just the diversity of religious thought on that area. Um, and then people say, well, you can just read the Bible. Well, you know, there's some parts of the Bible that cast doubt on the existence of God, too. You know, um, <clears throat> so uh, that's that's kind of where where I, I start from is with my. So what about existentialism? What about it? So how do you because because that's what it sounds like to me mm -hmm. is where you're struggling. Okay, expound upon that. Because for you to say that you exist, mm -hmm. you know that you know that you are valid and you are real, right? But you cannot. You know that your parents are valid and they are mm -hmm. real, but you cannot, at the core, find your way when was in saying that God exists. Well. Um, that's yes and no. Um, okay. Um, you know, the, the, the problem with, uh, with the, as I said before, the problem with the first cause argument, and this is what we're talking about now is working our way back from me to the existence of something that caused all of this to be. Okay. The issue at the, the problem at the heart of that argument is that number one it does not get us back to a deity that is only one answer in a infinite number of possible answers many of them we may not have thought so, of but it all is but even if we do work ourselves back to a first cause it doesn't work it doesn't work itself back to the one that we're espousing it could be any of them and so, so what would it take for you to believe that God exists? Oh gosh, you asked me that like four weeks ago, and I never got a chance to answer that. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be. I think that's going to be like a repetitive piece <laughs> on the table because I think, I think that's that's something I really would like to know. Like, what would it really take for you to go? Oh yeah, hey, I, I now believe without a shadow of a doubt that God exists. Well. Um, I think one of the things that I would like, one of the words that I would like to jettison is believe. Because we're, all... we're back to the Romans road. Well, yeah, because here's the thing. You, I mean, yeah. you, you see what I'm saying? That, yeah. though, the, I, I think it's all right there. I think that hold, if, hold we, if you can believe, but hold what does it take for you to believe? Hold on a second. Let me, let me, let me finish what I was about to say. I really would like to jettison the word believe. I think that is the the, the biggest um, hang up for me, and I'll and I'll explain to you why.
Um, and I'm going to use an example from a TV show that, that I liked a whole lot in, uh, back during the 90s. Did you ever watch The X-Files? No. I, I mean, I knew that it existed, but I probably watched all of about two minutes of it ever. Okay. So it just wasn't my speed, I, I so. get you. It wasn't everybody's cup of tea. I, I enjoyed it because... Um, the uh, the relationship between the two main characters was fascinating to me. It's kind of like they were having the same discussion that you and I are having, but it was over different types of things. Um, but anyway, the, the the premise of the show is you have these two F FBI agents. One of them, uh, his name is Fox Mulder. Um, he's a guy. And then there's Dana Scully, um, who's the, uh, the female character. And she's sort of his foil. Um, he uh, had an experience when he was a very young child. <clears throat> he um, witnessed what he believed was the alien abduction of his uh, younger sister. Um, but he was a child at the time. And the way he tells the story to adults, of course, they're not going to believe him. Um, they just figured that she was kidnapped and he's created this scenario in his mind to cover up the fact that his sister was kidnapped uh, and possibly murdered. So all of his life, uh, he's devoted to, number one, finding his sister and what happened to her, actually. And um, also, um, he goes to college and everything and becomes an FBI agent. But the only cases that he takes are these really weird paranormal type cases. And um, He's such a good agent, though, that they don't fire him. They just give him his own division and call it the X-Files. And they put him in the basement of his particular office building. And whenever a case comes up that involves paranormal or anything like that, they give it to him. But he had this, um, he had this, this poster on his office wall, and it was a picture of a flying saucer. And either above it or below it, I can't remember which, there were the words, I want to believe. And that always struck me as odd because here's a guy who all of his life believed that his sister was abducted by aliens. So he already believed that they existed. He didn't want to believe. He wanted to know. That was what should have been on that poster. And that's why I say I want to jettison the word believe because Belief and knowledge are not the same things. I'm looking for knowledge here. I want to know that there is a God that exists. I don't want to believe that there's a God that exists. That's, that's, that requires no thought whatsoever. You just believe it. I believe it. I believe it on faith. Okay, I'm just going to take what the Bible says, what the Quran says, what the Torah says, what the Bhagavad says, and I'm going to accept it on faith and not really know. And anyone who says that they believe should understand that, that belief and knowledge are not the same thing. And that, you know, if you say, I believe something, you are tacitly admitting that you don't know it, but you're believing it anyway, based on, I guess, evidence that is convincing to you, but may not, may not be convincing to others. So the first thing is, I, I'm not looking to believe anything. I want to know, as much as I know that I'm talking to you, that there is a God. And so it sounds like to me, and of course, I may be partial because I'm a Pentecostal, mm -hmm. but it sounds like to me that your, your search leads you to pneumatology. Leads to what? 
No. Let's say the Holy Spirit. Uh, or the Holy Father. Oh, let's just say I'm ex- ex- experience. experience. Um, yeah, the, the, that you have to have, that you have to be like Paul and, and have an experience that totally redefines because you have such a, a wealth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You already have, you've read who knows how many books mm-hmm. you've explored this. You've, you've put all of the time and energy in. And at some point there has to be what is commonly defined as this, yeah, leap of faith. Mm-hmm. But for you, it sounds like that has to be built from an experience. And I wonder oftentimes, a lot of times when I listen to people and listen to how they define themselves as Christians mm-hmm. or as whatever it is they believe, I always look for something that goes back to an experience. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, that's kind of where I'm landing mm-hmm. is that it, for you to know that God exists, mm-hmm. for you, existentialism is totally tied to pneumatology mm-hmm. and that's the piece that you've not been able to connect those two well here's this um uh here's the thing is you know i, I thought like that at one time you know um that you know there has to be some experience that um was that i was going to have that um and that i was going to have that you know was that aha moment that would flip the switch and you know, I would know that there was a God, but the problem is this, is, you know, you're right, I have read a lot, but I haven't confined my search to just my particular, or I should say my, the the Christian faith. Um, I've actually expanded it out to, uh, to other religions, and not, you know, I've I've read, you know, the, the Quran and the Bhagavad Gita, and, um, you know the all of the other the other scriptures and everything, but mostly what I've, I've I've tried to do is listen to other people talk about why they believe what they believe. You know why they're Hindu, why they're Muslim, why they're Jew, why they're Buddhist, and so on. And interestingly enough, all of their stories sound strikingly similar to those that Christians tell. They've all had these experiences that, you know, that was the moment that they knew that, you know, Vishnu was, or not Vishnu, but uh, Brahma was real or whatever it is God they worship in uh, Hinduism or that Allah was, you know, the one true God. They all have this experience. And so, you know, with all of that, if everybody is, is having these experiences that tell them that all of these different gods are real, then anyone who's who's thinking about about it has to ask the question, you know, if everyone's having these experiences that tell them that these different gods are real, then how reliable is experience as a tool for finding truth? I think for me, the bigger question would be, why are you not longing for an experience? Because I understand that experiences are very subjective and they're open to interpretation. And those interpretations don't necessarily lead you to truth. Because as I said, if everyone is having experiences that lead them to believe that different gods are are real, then how reliable is experience as a tool for finding truth? 
everybody's experience. How is it not? I, I mean, I, very, I have to work back from for the very because for the very reason that people are having different experience or having the same kinds of experiences, but coming to different answers. You know, I, I mean, if I if I if 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 um, give you an example, of, I, I think I may have used this with you. Uh, told you the story before about my um, my Muslim coworker uh, with his daughter. Um, you know, he she was very sick. Um, and, uh, you know, he missed a week of school. And the one day that he came back, he looked very haggard. And I asked him what was wrong. And he told me the daughter was very sick. The doctors couldn't tell him what was wrong with her. And she looked like she was on the verge of death. And I just, you know, I said to him, look, you need to get her over to the Cleveland Clinic. Um, you know, I'm not promising anything, but they, they have a good pediatrics facility over there. Uh, I would take her there because it seems like these doctors don't know what they're doing. Well, he took her over there, and within less than a half hour, they were able to figure out what was wrong with the girl and treat her. Okay, now this man is a Muslim. I'm sure for that week he had been praying uh, to Allah that this would be resolved. Now, that experience for him is com would be confirmation that he prayed to the right God. Now, Christian tells a very similar story. Me as an outsider, I'm like saying, okay, which one of these people is praying to the right God because they both got answers when they prayed. So experiences are very subjective. So it, it amazes me that that you have hinged your ability to believe on your inability to be able to connect with why other people believe. Say that again because part of you broke up. Part of what you said broke up. It, it it's it's interesting to me mm -hmm. that your inability to believe is connected to your inability to connect to why other people believe there's still it's still a, a personal piece and that's at the core of salvation is there's something about it that has to become personal and for you it seems like you're you're fishing and hoping to catch someone else's fish and it be a valid catch for you. But to me, for you to have your own experience like Paul, mm -hmm. you have to have your own experience to be in this place for it to begin to be valid for you. No, that's that's not it There's, at all. What I'm, I, I just don't see how you can separate those no, two. How can you how can you define what you believe and don't believe based on the fact that you question what other other people no, believe? No, that's not what I'm doing at all. What I'm saying is what okay. I'm questioning is this is and maybe maybe we're talking in circles, but let me just say it like this is what I what I'm what can what uh, my issue is is that if I have an experience, okay, um whatever it may be, that leads me to believe um, that I've had um, some type of contact or uh, communication with the God of Christianity, Jesus Christ, okay? And that convinces me that that is what's real, all right? I don't see how I couldn't lose sleep at night wondering about someone else who had a similar experience but came to a different conclusion. My main issue is, is do I just accept the experience that I have on faith? And again, as I said before, if I accept this on, on faith, I don't know. 
I'm just accepting it on faith that it's real. But is does that lead me to truth? Does that lead me to accept something that is valid? An experience like that, or any for anyone, the answer to that question is no. You don't know. That's why we use words like faith and believe. I'm not looking to believe anything on faith. I'm not even looking to believe anything. I want to know. And an experience, a religious experience, no matter how profound it may be, I'd always have that question in the back of my mind, simply because there are other people who are having profound religious experiences coming to different conclusions. How would I be able to know that my experience led me to the truth? I guess the one question that I really can't get over is, how would I know if I'm wrong? And just believing that I'm right doesn't mean that I am. Accepting that I'm right on faith doesn't mean that I am. Then, then if faith is proven, how much is it faith? If faith is proven, how much is it? If faith is proven, what do you mean? So it, it's to me, it just seems so very, you want to, it, it's like to me, I'm going to use a gambling analogy. Mm -hmm. To me, you're going to say, I want to win a thousand dollars. Give me my thousand dollars, and then I'll put my twenty on the table. No, that's that's not you, it. That's not you it. You can't all. work back from the win because to start with, the point of having faith mm -hmm. is point where all of your knowledge has come as far as it's going to mm -hmm. go. All of your research, all of your reading, and for me, that I, that goes back to experience. Something has to happen for you that solidifies for you the existence of God. What that looks like, we may not know and articulate it because it hasn't happened yet. And so after it happens, because I believe it does happen, if you sincerely want it to happen, I believe it does happen. I think once it happens, you can say, yeah, this is what put all of the pieces together for me that in that moment I only because salvation is personal that mm -hmm. you said I came to this conclusion that all of this information that I had gathered was totally just pieces of information until this moment when this thing pulled all of that together for me and I said I know there is a God okay I can accept that but it here's just, the thing here, yeah I can accept it and I, I think your your gambling analogy is is a little bit off. You know, I don't want. I mean, that's just what it sounds like to me. Yeah. It sounds like you want the thousand dollars before you put your twenty on the table. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's a little bit off. Okay. Okay. Um, off how? It's off because um, again, this is something that it, it's 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 really hard to get people to to see that when you use an analogy, many times you're comparing things that aren't analogous. Um, you know, I'm not looking at this as a, a gamble per se. I'm looking at this as a more like a person has made a claim. I want to know if the claim is true before I move over to the claim, before accepting the claim as truth. Well, so 
So this is why I use the analogy of mm -hmm. a gamble, because as you yourself stated earlier in our conversation, mm -hmm. that if your whole eternal existence, life after this mm -hmm. life, is reliant on getting this mm -hmm. right, whichever direction you go, whether you pick one or don't pick one, you are gambling. That's true. Yeah, and that's that's why that's why I say it's a little bit off. Is it 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 is in those terms, but. What I'm saying is I'm not willing to take the gamble if I don't know that there's a possibility that my answer is right. And I think that is. But not taking anything is still a gamble. No response is still a response. That's true. But what is a better response? That's now, that is personal. That's that's right. that is your bridge. That, that, that's that your is, bridge. Yeah, that's my bridge. And see, here's the thing. And you may disagree with this, but I've said it, you know, um, to people many times, and I'll say this to you, is, you know, um, I think if you if you really drill down, anyone drills down, um, uh, you will find that, um, well, I find that when I, I won't say anybody, but when I drill down on this, is that uh, all, everyone is at the very least agnostic. Okay, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. Is um, I think the believer and the non-believer are walking down the same road. Okay, um, when I say non-believer, I'm really talking about um, people who uh, want the question answered, but have not made that decision that they believe. They're withholding it. Okay, and I think both the believer and the non-believer stand at, uh, at a fork in the road. Okay, or a juncture in the road. And both the believer and the non-believer don't really know, excuse me, that there is a God. But the believer chooses to accept that there is and goes further down the road. And the non-believer says, you know, the reason that you chose to go down that road aren't acceptable to me. I, I just don't see... I don't see how your arguments lead to where you and until I have more information, I'm, I can't go down that road with you. Um, so I don't think a believer knows any more than the agnostic. I think they believe more, but I don't think they I, know I'm going to disagree with you on that. And I think well, that's going to be, that's going to be a place for us to, to not only agree to disagree, but to also stop because we have gone over our hour. Um, Time's an illusion. But, but it, it, you, funny how you have accuracy when you want it. <laughs> but I, I will. What comes to my mind when you use the believer and non-believer thing mm -hmm. is I don't, I don't agree with the way you see that. And what came to my mind was this conversation that I was having with someone mm -hmm. on Facebook, mm -hmm. and it was concerning um, the marketing is decide to remove the female symbol from their product. Now, my thing was, you know, they're saying they're doing it to be inclusive in it. My argument to that is not going to change. There is a biological reason why you need this product. Right. And this person was saying to me, because she knew a lot of men who actually needed this product. And I'm going, no, you know people that identify, who choose, choose their identity to be male, 
-hmm. and that's how they present themselves but their biology they need this product every month which means they are unquestionably biologically female because if they were not biologically female they wouldn't need this product and she kept saying well no they're men but they need this product we're going to agree to disagree on that one because biologically if they were men they wouldn't need this product and so i think that that's kind of the the where you what you remind me of just when you say that people that believe and people that don't believe are on the same journey the same journey life but the system by which we understand and define our path in life has everything to do with where you see your end result. And that's why for Christians, we use the past tense and say saved, mm -hmm. which is it is a future expectation mm -hmm. of what has already happened because when Jesus came and died on the cross, it was done at that point. Now we have to walk it out, but it was already done with the work of Jesus on the okay. cross. So for for a person to say a believer and a non-believer are on the same journey, they're on the same journey that is life, but we as Christians call people that are not believers sinners because they live in a separate state of mind. Okay. I think maybe... There is a separate state of mind when you don't right. believe. I, I think we may be talking about two different things. I'm not talking... I'm, okay. not, I'm not saying that... Well, you... Let me just put it this way. When I use the word journey, I'm not talking about the okay. same thing that you are. <laughs> okay. What I, okay. What I meant, what do you what mean? I meant, okay. What I mean is this, as far as knowledge is concerned about the existence of God and everything that comes after that, that is where the believer and the non-believer are at the same place because I don't know if there's a God and the believer does not know. That is why we call them believers because you don't believe something that you have knowledge of. That's why you have to use the word believer because you don't know. And when you sure, say- I use the word believer to things that I know. No, you don't because, okay. I because believe that my father was George Williams. He is my father. No, I, I, don't, I don't- No, 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 no. You don't believe that, you know that. You know that how is it believing and knowing it to me don't don't dissect okay, okay. then do they this don't thing. dissect for me do, do all right here's what i want you to do i want you to use the word believe in a sentence in which the word believe is synonymous with knowledge i believe that i have two children no you don't you have two children you know that you don't have exactly to you know, you don't have to believe it. You know that. I exact. That's my whole point. I believe it because I know it to be true. No, you don't believe it because you know it to be true. You know it because you know it's true. If for somebody, if somebody came up to you and said, "You have a third child, and this is here's the evidence," but you don't know where that child is, that's when you use the word believe. It says based upon what this person has told but me, see, this is what I believe. But you don't know that that child okay, exists. So, there's a possibility. So there's here's a possibility the thing. That, that child may not exist. 
They may have told you complete lies. Part of what I believe is in the existence of God's promise. So it may not have manifested yet, but I believe if God has said that it will be, I believe it. It is as much as done as if you will, amen. It is so. Right, but because you use the word believe, you're tacitly admitting that you don't know. That's just- I may not know the details of how it comes to happen. No, that's that's not even it. You don't know that it's going to happen at all. You don't know that it's going to happen. I, believe I don't that it does. It. Huh? I don't well, question well, it. Well, it doesn't matter. And when I say I don't question it, I mean I don't question it any longer. To remember, well, I was an I was a religious studies major in undergrad. I had so much question in my head that I actually spent my parents' money to try to understand what because I should have been going to school with something that was going to make me some money when I got out. Well, Marva, Marva, simply because have... you choose to, to stop <laughs> questioning things, that doesn't mean that you know. That just means that you stop questioning. I, don't, I, I did not stop questioning. I started believing. Well, that, and that's well the just difference. because you started believing still doesn't because mean Because even you know. now, I still have questions. I, there are still well, look, questions. I There's still things right. that I have speculation about. But but for me, I had an experience. Mm-hmm. I had too many experiences to walk away from all of what I had seen God doing to say, oh, that that was just Kowinky Dinky. I walked away from my experience saying, I know there is a God. Right. And so there are a billion Muslims who are telling me the same thing. There are millions of Hindus who tell me the same thing. They've had experiences that are too personal and too powerful to walk away from. That's the problem, is that everyone's having all of these you know, experiences and things that cause them to believe. But see, you're, you're waiting everyone else's experience instead of having your own experience. Well, what that simply means is that my experience... I mean, that's just like me telling you about Disney. I can tell you about Disney... <laughs> all day yeah. long but until you go to disney you don't get you can't get the full effect of disney until you Marla, actually you walk see? into that castle until you see it yourself Marla. you have to have an experience of god before you can ever resolve this Marla, if you would just call on allah you would see that all this jesus stuff is wrong you would have an experience that would would make you walk away from it I mean, how salty is that? Because you don't believe in none of it. So, well, no, but I'm, <laughs> that's but I'm, so no, salty. I'm, that is absolutely no, salty. No, it's not. That's salty. No, it's no, salty. really, it is. I'm, I'm trying to make a point. It's, it is. No, it's no, salty. No, really, it's very okay, salty. Okay, I'll admit it's salty, but I'm making a point here. It's because... You admit, you'll admit it's salty because then we have to get into a conversation about the traditions of the book, and no, that no, takes no, us no, so no, far no. away from what no, we're no, talking no. about. No, no, no. It, it, leaves us, it, 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 it keeps us right where we are is because no you just want to stay in the no no simply hear me out is that you're telling me that i need to have an experience that you know brings it all together yeah because you have a knowledge you already know the word you you know you have you have a solid foundation in the biblical literature so what else is left finish what i'm saying okay is that you're telling me that I need to have an experience that's going to bring it all together, all right? So 
the problem with me, and I've already explained the problems, there's a whole, whole bunch of other experiences going on. Where people, and the reason that I say that I, that, I, that I keep bringing that up is because if an experience, I cannot just say, I can't have an experience myself and paint all of reality with it. That seems very wrong-headed to me. The other problem is this, and I, I brought up that, you know, that whole thing about, you know, if you just pray to Allah, he will reveal himself to you and you know that all this Christian stuff is not real is because you would, oh, what oh, is he talking oh, about? Hold on a second. Hold on. Quick interrupting me. Bad host. Bad host. <laughs> Bad guest because you keep bringing up Allah just just, okay. just because you want to keep pouring salt. No, That's... okay. I'm not trying to pull. Okay, I'll bring up a different God. Vishnu. You know Vishnu. what? See? See? You see what I'm saying? No, you see what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to make a point here is that you know i've heard this from you yeah i've heard it from hindus i've heard it from muslims and i'm like okay if i can have an experience with any god that is going to convince me that that particular god is real then i have to question the value or the the the, the effectiveness as of experience as a tool to understand truth here's where i here's where i where i get nervous because mm -hmm. i think you are at more risk of being the victim of a cult from not believing anything that's not true you know why it's more true because you know why because it means that you could get sucked into a rabbit hole of something okay. at some point so in my experience People, the majority of people, and I could be wrong about this, but it seems to me that, and I've done some extensive study on cults, is that people who get sucked into cults are not the ones who believe nothing. They're, the people who get sucked into cults are the ones who believe. Jim, I'm going to need some statistical data. No, I'm going to need, I'm going to need qualitative results okay, so, for you to convince me of that one. Oh, because right. could, for you to convince me of that, is such a confusion of what it means to believe and not believe because people that go from things obviously have never really been sold on anything. So we are back where we started. Okay, so here's what, here's, here's what we'll do. I need statistical data. Okay, well, let's use- I'm historical. all about statistical data. Let's you know that, your, so let's, let's use I like let's, let's use historical data here, okay? The People's Temple. I Wasn't knew it? you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do Heaven's, that. Why does it have to be? Why do we have to end there? Heaven's Gate. <sighs> was what was the Japanese cult? Um, I can't remember the one that set off the bomb in um, in, uh, in in the subways in Japan. I okay. Can't I guarantee you, but the question that I have for you related mm -hmm. to that is statistical data now, of which I, of the followers in any given one of those cults mm -hmm. had been members of other cults. So this non-belief, this non-ability to stick to something mm -hmm. is more dangerous than to actually have something that you actually truly are sold on and believe. Right. So, so we're back. I need statistical data. So, You're not going to sell me on that one without so, data. I'm going to need numbers. You're going to have to crunch numbers for that one. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. 
is I think I, I, no, no, I'm not doing your homework no, for no, you. No, here, I'll, I'll put this a different way. Is this is I'll give you that um, that many of the people who have been sucked into cults are people who um, were in between, but I and maybe there were there were probably some that were oh that trust were, me I know some people that have been in some cults and they go from cult to cult to cult yeah they go from cult and that that is that is just par and course for religion too I mean you have uh huh because you got people that was Baptist and then they become Pentecostals again <laughs> those are those are church hoppers so we're still talking about right. people that about never the, actually uh, that are next uh, never actually uh, believe. Hold just on. how we get back to the people that get baptized every way to just cover all their bases. Number one, if you're church hopping, you believe something. You may not believe, or you may have been in love with what that one particular church was teaching at one time, then now when you went to another church. So you believe something. And, and um, I think, well, you believe that you needed a belief. Right. You believed that you needed exactly. a belief. Exactly. And many people say, I believe, you know, they believe in Jesus and salvation, but they did one time they were happy with what their church was teaching about Jesus and they didn't like it or whatever. But I would even go so far as to say that, you know, that um, jumping from religion to religion is more common than most people think. Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> but we're going to stop now because we're going to go on forever and we're still not going to agree. So where should we pick up next time? Um, I don't know. I've I've sort of been mm. leading the discussion here, and this is your show, so you pick up where you think is a prudent place. I don't know. I think I might have to hash it out, but maybe we do need to talk about um, some of the the true um, defining of belief. What what belief, and and talk about some of these cults because there are a lot of cults out there, and there are a lot of groups that I'm really fascinated with because they actually had some positive pieces to them and some negative pieces to them. Like they're not all like horror stories. They, mm -hmm. a lot of them end in a horror story, but you know, they're not all horror stories. Some of them are like, okay, why didn't you see the signs? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to talk about cult and belief to define the difference in what it truly means to believe something that's valid and solid versus just a helter skelter just need something to connect because you can connect to a social club and not need a religious organization mm -hmm. so um maybe that's what we'll talk about belief and what well, is I, think the, I think the the question that we have to explore first is what is the difference between a cult and a religion and that's fair we'll start there next time all right all right well have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you again. All right. Been fun. Bye. Thank you. Bye.